Hello and welcome to Radio, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs, created by the Entrepreneurs Organization in South Africa. I'm one of your hosts, Ross Drakes, and I'm here with my other lovely host, Richard Mulholland. Um, today we're trying a new format, which we're going to experiment with. Uh, so at the end, if you liked it, if you could reach out and give us some feedback, that would be amazing. So Rich, I don't know if you want to introduce our burning topic today. So I guess the burning topic is relevant for those of you who went to Ignite this year, which was a tremendous event. I really thought it was one of the best ones. It's an event that really seems to uh, gain momentum every year. I'm very excited about it. Yeah, I think it was. it's one of those powerful, it's almost like a, I have to do in my calendar every year. Uh, I think kind of the learning from the members is just so packed. I haven't even gotten through my entire to-do list of, like, of action items that I wanted to do. Yeah, no, me neither. Uh, any out of interest, just before we move on, any observations about the event, anything that you uh, uh, would, would change or liked or things like this? I think it's interesting that we spent a lot of the money, well, I'm assuming, I didn't see the budget at all, but there were a lot of really high-profile speakers on the stage, and they were great, but I actually got more out of the member speakers. So do we put more, just put more members on the stage and, and learn more from those stories than, than spending the money on these kind of fancy people who come in from the outside? So I guess my counterpoint to that is I, I agree with you. I also, the, the value for me all came from the member session. But I did get um, talk fatigue. Uh, it, it got it was like so much content. Yes. That I almost feel like I'd rather it was. By the end of it, I was I was happy that we were done. I felt like I, I don't think I have many more talks I could sit through in. Whereas I almost would rather it was the other way, where I left feeling like oh I could have listened to. Oh, so do you think that it would have been more like more social time or more kind of mingling time or more activities where you're forced to kind of have conversations with people as opposed to passively sitting and listening. Yeah, I think a lot of the massive value. So a lot of the talks for me were deeply motivational, inspiring and things like this. And there were some talks that had a high ratio of action. And then there were other talks that were just like really amazing. And I wouldn't want to change any of those. But I mean, it was getting that balance was was critical. But there was a point at which I felt that um, I would have liked to have been out and about, maybe spend more time. And we have evening functions for that. But the... The problem with evening functions is they have a different agenda to some degree. So in an evening function, there's drinking and entertainment and vibe and things. But sometimes it's actually just quite nice to chat more. I don't know. This is very much a, a me. I felt that maybe we could have had less talks than, than, than we did. But I, I thought it was the best one. I mean, every year feels like the best one for me. They get better and better and better. And I, yeah. I'm very excited for it to be back in Joburg. And I hope everybody... Uh, pre-books their seats as soon as possible because I, I know that they're taking very... I saw the invite went out yesterday for people to help. And did I you sign up? Um, I didn't, but Don did. Okay. Um, Don has signed up to try and help and uh, obviously to coach and to work on different things with the speakers and organize that and things. And I think it's going to be amazing. That's very cool. Yeah. And, and I think, I suppose, you know, this this conversation started at Ignite. Um, so, so my company, Nice Work, uh, we... Uh, um, we were asked to kind of contribute something as a gift for people. So I wanted to create a piece of swag, which is actually just selfish. I've been wanting to create nice work swag for a long time. And I thought this was a, a good reason to justify doing it. And one of the one of the kind of key points in that was I didn't want to create something that was cheap, you know, because I think you go to a lot of these events and you get something that you would never wear. And then essentially you either just throw it away or you just give it to somebody else. And it's kind of produced as a tick box as opposed to thinking, what are the kind of people that are coming here? What would they actually wear? And what would they keep with them afterwards to kind of think about it? So 
that uh, produced really high quality caps that I thought weren't branded at all. Um, so it had the, the kind of nice work slash A on the front, but then on the back there was our web address on then, I think you called me out on, on like whether that was necessary or not. And that kind of sparked this, this debate. Yeah, so I guess, yeah, the burning, the burning issue is uh, around corporate gifts and branding and things like that in general. And what I'd said to Ross was the moment it had a URL on the back, www.nicework.ca.za, uh, it became something that was obviously a freebie that I was given. And at that point, you know, I'm a guy who wears, and it was a really high quality cap, right? So it was like straight up in my wheelhouse. And of all the people in that room, I'm probably the, the exact demographic of guys who wear, I mean, I wear a cap basically every day. Yeah. Uh, but I can't wear that one because I don't want to walk around with a cap with somebody else's website on the back of it. It then feels like an advert. And what I'd said to Ross is, had he just put nice work, that he could have got away with that, not because it's a company name, but because it's like a phrase. Right, and then I would have I would have worn it. You just have the slash a the front, and then you have the nice work at the back. But the moment I had the dot zero z a, so I actually took a permanent marker and I, I tried to uh, <laughs> mark off the bit. And so Don had had said to me completely separate, and um, that he'd picked out because he liked the lid as well, the cap. And so he'd picked out the uh, the bit at the back. He's like, I can't wear this. I I, like, I, but I mean, I'm I'm glad that there's people who are so committed to my swag that they are altering it in their home environment, which is for sure. Least, one step in the right and direction. And I love the fact, like, because I really think the design element on the front, which I remember when you guys launched that, I thought it was absolutely genius, owning that line. Yeah. And I thought that was very powerful because just like that, that's like a, an amazing thing. And I, I guess you could argue, oh, but then people won't know that's my company and it's a thing. But I guess that's not the idea. And that leads me to a, a corporate gifts in general. I think this is a decision. If you want to give somebody a corporate gift, the moment it has your uh, uh, logo on it, it's no longer a gift, it's an advert. Yes. Uh, so let, let's say we're looking, we're talking about Lamy and in a previous episode, Turning to Dust. I've got both of you and I use Lamy pens. Uh, just just for the people who can't obviously see, because this is audio, I think there are seven Lamy pens <laughs> on the table right, <laughs> right now. <laughs> and um, I think all EOs get 40% discount off them, so it's probably <laughs> worth knowing if you go to the uh, member deals WhatsApp group. <laughs> yeah, they're there, but... Um, the, we're, I'm a big fan of Lamy, and Lamy is a brand. But if I gave you this this pen, I wouldn't mind putting the uh, missing link on the box that it came in. But I would let you have the pen just as the pen, because yes. branded pens just kind of like, oh, it feels cheap. I don't know. I mean, you're you're much more of an expert. For me, it's just like an, a personal taste. This is your field. Where are you on that? I suppose that I mean, you're, I think it's it's slightly blurry depending on the context and the brand. So. So I think you always need to understand who is my audience that I'm giving this, this thing to. And, you know, if you're Nike, you can put a Nike logo on something and somebody will very happily kind of wear it because they actually want to run around in your advert. Like they, they tie their identity to the brand that you're kind of, you're doing. If you're not Nike, then it becomes a little bit more sort of blurry. So, so are you giving a cheap shirt to people who've all arrived wearing Paul Smith shirts, you know? So now your cheap 29 Rand shirt that you've printed versus a a 2000 Rand Italian cotton shirt, like why would anyone ever choose to to stop wearing that? I think so there's a quality kind of issue there, but I think it's also, you know, people 
people wear brands, they use brands as a way of displaying their personality and all their, their identity. It becomes like a signifier. How many Mont Blanc pens do you see sticking out the top of people's pockets? They want you to know. Yeah, but how many Mont Blanc pens do you see that people have that say Standard Bank on them? That's also a good, good point. Um, and, I, and I suppose it is also like figuring out what you want to do with that thing. So if you just want people to have a positive association with your brand, then exactly like you say, you can brand the outside of the box. And they will always know when they open their Mont Blanc pen that it was rich or it was missing link that gave me this pen. It doesn't need to say missing link on the side of it because they don't need that information. They already have it. You know, and if it's unlikely they're going to give your branded pen to somebody else. That's why we tattoo our clients for free. You know, people used to always joke with us and say, oh, well, do you tattoo your logo on them? And we say, no, of course not. But you will forget, you'll, you know, forget the company that gave you a branded pen, but you'll never forget us, the organization that literally tattooed you. Your tattoo, yeah. And the corporate gift, the brand, the conversation exists every time you look at your tattoo and you're reminded of it. And that will allow you to talk about it. But if I'd given you a very expensive Mont Blanc with our name on it, uh, you know, branded across it, you may have been embarrassed to use it. I mean, I suppose, it, like, you know, we, we have also done this at NEO when one of the things we did, I think, when you were the president, is we sent everyone a pair of um, Skull Candy headphones. And I used those headphones every other day while I was running for about, I don't know, two years before I, I replaced them. And every morning that I put them in my ears, there was a little bit of a thought back to EO and that EO gave me this thing. So I think it was doing it was doing the job of a branded item. And I think you're right, if it was like bright orange and had an EO logo on it, I don't think I would have used it for two years. Right, because I get lots and lots of gifts from, say, EO things and, you know, again, a big long, big logo all over them and things. So funny enough, interestingly, Dustin, uh, uh, we were chatting about this recently. He did a whole bunch of branded skull candy things and he was able to brand with a spring box and he was able to brand with Orlando Pirates. And he said to me, like, when he got that deal, he thought it was going to be a home run. Um, and yet they never sold. Because I think putting a brand on a brand, when you, when you wear a brand, you're saying, I invested in this, this defines who I am. Uh, so like Skullcandy, it's got kind of an edgy feel to it. Nike has an athletic feel to it. Harley Davidson's got a rugged feel to it. But when, or Mont Blanc has a status symbol to it. Yes. But the moment somebody says, hey, that person didn't buy this, they were given this by me. Uh, All yeah, of a sudden, it removes, the... it removes that from you to some degree. Like, so you're almost better off giving somebody a cheap branded pen or a smart idea. Or nothing. Or nothing. <laughs> yeah. Than you are by giving them something expensive and then putting your name on it. And it's so difficult because you want to. So I want, this is a funny story. I was, and I feel like the statute of limitations on dissing a client has is, passed. We were doing this job for Liberty and then they'd asked me to come to and speak to a bunch of their brokers. And I mean, you can't make this up, Ross. So I arrived there and they said to me, would you come and do a talk to our guys for free? Uh, we, you know, really love you to do that. And, um, and you know, as a favor for us. And I said, sure, no problem at all. And they were a team I'd worked with a lot. Arrived, do the talk, everything's amazing. And then when they finished, they turned around and said, you know, we know that you don't drink and we would have bought you a nice bottle of whiskey or a nice bottle of wine. And, but we wanted to give you something that's more special for you. And we know you ride a motorcycle. So they got me a motorcycle jacket and at the back, like a motorcycle rider, they put the Liberty logo. <laughs> <laughs> and I genuinely thought, is this a joke? 
Like, do you honestly expect me to get onto my motorcycle, right? With a liberty. With a liberty jacket and ride through the streets like a... No, and, but in their mind, they thought this was perfectly feasible because they thought the gift was the jacket. So it's okay for them to brand it. Mm. But no, the, the, the reason you buy cool jackets and things is because they say something about me and who I am and the mm. decisions I make. And I guess that's where this thing is. So, so to me, I love the cap. And that was the thing. So now it is a cap, but where I wear it to is like gym and, you know, like if I'm out sitting in the garden and things like this, but it's not like one that I would wear in the day because... On a stage or... Right, because it's not an advert to somebody else's uh, business. And, and it's a tricky, that's a tricky thing for me. And I guess that the, the burning issue is how much is enough and when do you brand something? And I feel like we're far more aligned in our thinking here than we are in any way, I think we're both aligned. I think I maybe just took it one step further further than you. But it's interesting. I mean, so so talking from my experiences, I thought I'd gone all the way, but obviously I'm still like precious about my company that I couldn't I couldn't see that last little bit, and it actually needed someone from the outside to just be like, just kind of let it go, you know, or like just push it that one step further, and and it becomes a more genuine. It becomes a genuine gift and a genuine kind of expression of, I think you would appreciate this. You know, like, I think you would appreciate this. Thank you very much mm. for, for being part of this experience with me. But it's a funny thing because I still think it's just the domain name because it's just the call to action, not yes. the company name. So let's look at another brand. So I was trying to think when you mentioned Nike, I was thinking, well, but they're a clothing brand. What non-clothing brand do people still want to associate with? And an obvious one as a motorcyclist is Harley Davidson. Yeah. So people want to wear Harley Davidson swag. In fact, if you have a Harley, you have Harley Even Jeep, wallet like socks. Jeep broke things. into clothing. Right, Jeep as well is a great example. However, if you see a person walking with a Harley Davidson t-shirt, you're like, ha, huh, that guy bought a Harley Davidson t-shirt. If you see a person walking in with a HarleyDavidson.co.za t-shirt, you think, ah, oh, that guy was being given promotional swag. In my mind. Yes. And I think that's the difference. And I think it's the fact that it's a call to action that there's, hey, go visit our website there as opposed to just associate with this brand. Yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, the big thing is, I think on the one side, when you're putting a call to action on something, it becomes marketing or advertising. Yes. And when you're not, it becomes client experience. You know, and client experiences are much more, like powerful thing in the mind of the person. So you don't need to overtly add a, a call to action because you've given them something that they really cherish or appreciate or use every day or carry around with themselves. And that in itself is more powerful than an advert or a, because an advert almost implies that the, the person receiving it doesn't have the context of when it was given or doesn't have the right. context of when. So it needs to, the pen needs a web address on it. So when you see the pen, you can engage with the web address and you can go and gather the information. But if I've been through an entire Liberty conference with you and then at the end you give me a beautiful jacket, every time I put the jacket on, I remember the Liberty conference. You know, so yes. I, I, I drag the context in with me. I don't need it written on my jacket in order to, you know, that, that context is almost for somebody else on the outside. And if it's a gift, it shouldn't be about that. And that, I guess that's my point. If it's a gift, then you know that the person has the context because you gave them the gift. Yes. So at Christmas, if you're going to somebody and saying, thank you for all the work you did for us. If you give them just a really, really nice pen or really nice thing, and the branding is on the box or the card or the handwritten note that goes with it, I really, I promise you, the surprise and delight, when somebody opens a Montblanc pen and they open it and they look at it, their first thought is, 
oh, it's gonna have a stupid logo all over it. The surprise and delight that that pen is completely unbranded will be, like if you got a corporate gift from somebody at Christmas time, and I'm gonna hang that up for a discussion in a second, and you open it up there, and then you pull out this beautiful Mont Blanc and it isn't branded, that will double your surprise. I think you'd be more shocked and like, oh my goodness, right? That would be amazing. Mm. You actually have a double one. You have it's a, just a piece of generosity. It's yes, it's just else. generosity. Whereas the moment I say, I want people to know, that around you to know that I gave you this pen, that's like a kind of like a big upping your own experience. That's like, that's like giving somebody charity and saying, guys, um, I just want to put on my website that I gave Ross, I funded Ross uh, to do this thing. And that's a different thing. So you got to decide when you're giving your customer something to say, if you're a conference venue and you're giving out free pens on the table, by all means, they're adverts. But then they know what they are. They're cheap, shitty pens that you have and hotel cheap, shitty pens. And it's okay because when you use them and they're just a reminder you're at that conference venue. Mm. So that I totally get. Because but do, I mean, so I'd, I'd quickly challenge that. Have you ever booked a conference venue because you saw a conference pen? No, not in the <laughs> least. I saw it, but, but I think it's just the idea that because there's an expectation that conferences have to have pens, having a, a you know, if you're going to give cheap ass disposable pens, you may as well put your name on it as opposed to not. There's certainly no harm there because there's no feeling like, oh, but this was a rip. again. But again, if the conference venue turned around and wanted to have a special pen made for the organizer, you know, the person who booked the big gig then it might be worthwhile having a nice little branded, uh, let's say, Focus Rooms, uh, which was an ex-EO member, well, a NEO member's ex-business, uh, little Mont Blanc pen then. And then just for the person who organized, they opened up and thank you so much for coming. No branded pen for you. And then they've got this, you know, or a nice Lamy or a thing like that. So, so I, again, and there's a way to extend the surprise and delight. And then when they get that, that is a conversation worth having. Like they may come up, oh, geez, I really like your pen. Dude, funny story. I was doing this conference. You know, they give you free conference pens everywhere. They actually, because we organized it, they selected and gave me this thing with a little note, not branded, nothing. Mm. Fuck, that's amazing. And, you know, that could be something that leads to, to a conversation. And that's what you're trying to do is create conversations, not adverts. And I think off the back of that thought, you know, if your conference, so you need to make pens, right? So it's a, it's a functional item we need to give. And I think they put the logo on there hoping that somehow it creates that conversation. But I think there's better ways of doing it. MailChimp have a pencil, a branded pencil, and all it says, they've got a whole bunch, but one of them is like a million ideas live inside here. Love it. And it's just a pencil, you know? And then, so they've got like another one, which is random idea generator. But you'll tell me it's MailChimp. Yeah. Which is amazing. So, so like, how do you, exactly, how do you generate, like, can your gift create a conversation beyond the gift or what even a branded, even if it is an advert and not a gift, it's an advert, does it create a conversation afterwards or is it just a logo? So let's challenge that with nice work. The name, like the call to action, make nice work, do nice work, be nice work, whatever, right? Mm. That alone, if you gave me a shirt that said, make nice work, really radly designed black tea that just kind of maybe like a plain thing that said make nice work and it was a call to action and the only thing I had was that is it a slash a yeah right on it nobody else would maybe know and maybe that could even be too maybe it's like make slash nice work or whatever a way so it doesn't feel like it's a logo or or maybe that little slash a appears on the side of the sleeve yeah. um and in fact so here's an like example i'm wearing today this shirt here that says so I got given this shirt at GLC. It's a Toronto Maple Leaf shirt. It's a stand witness, which is the slogan of the Leafs. And it was given to me at the sports bar next to the Leafs. 
But just a little bit at the side. It says, um, what's that? Canadian Tire. Canadian Tire. And so like there, but I feel it's like a leaf shirt more than a Canadian Tire shirt. And maybe that would bother me if I lived in Canada that was there, but I think maybe being South African, that doesn't. But I mean, also, I think what you've just done is you've just recounted the entire experience of how you got that shirt. You didn't go, I got a shirt. You know, right. like I was at GLC. I'm sure you can remember exactly who gave you the shirt, oh, where you were. You know, uh, there's a whole story. Yeah, we it was in the halftime or the the break between the the first and second period, and Jazz actually won one. She put up her hand, and then they came and they gave her one, and but they gave her a, a large, and then later the person two tables down got one, and then they held it up, and they were like, "Oh, this is never going to fit me." And Jazz actually went up and said, "Hey." Um, my husband's a medium and you look like you'd prefer a large. You mind if we do a swap? And then we ended up chatting to them. We had all evening talk, talking to them. Our tables got moved together and it became all the experience around the hockey. And me and him were high-fiving each other. And so there's a whole bunch of story now packaged in with this thing that, that kicked off as a gift in the sports bar. And, um, but again, if it, if it had, this has just got a, a, a sponsored logo on it, which we kind of used to. It's like that Emirates on a, one of those soccer shirts. But if it had, you know, emirates.co.za kind of thing or a big branded URL call to action type thing, I think my relationship would have been different. Yes. So I guess, I guess the, the call to action and the brave step we're suggesting people take is to be brave enough. If you want to give people a gift, you have never in your life opened a birthday present, ever. Right? Have you ever given somebody a birthday or Christmas present where you wrote your, you had your name engraved onto it. Like where you said, Ross, here's your birthday present. Oh my God, it's a yeah. new If anything, La if you Cruze, give them a book, you might write the notes on the, on the inside, inside cover. Right, but what you never do is give like, my wife loves La Crusade, right? And if you guys uh, gave her a La Crusade pot and pan, but then branded Ross and Leanne and Sebastian, like all over the, I think it might be quite cool. <laughs> <laughs> like your bearded face. So how's this for an experiment? You have two children, right? And yeah. at some point you're probably gonna have to buy them a car. Buy one of them a car that's just a car. And then buy the other one a car, but on the side of it, brand it the Get Rich Crick show. Yes. But a huge all over the side of the car and see the difference in, in experience. That well, the here's what have. I did see is I saw a girl once, or a young lady once driving around in a car that said, Daddy's girl. And it was quite a nice car. And all I took from that was, shit, man. Daddy's a douchebag. <laughs> Daddy, Daddy's an idiot and you're driving around in a car you didn't buy. Yeah. Right? And it was like quite a fancy car. So any praise you get from, look at the cool car I'm driving. Goes to dad. Goes to dad. Right? And uh, all I know is that dad has... Small, small junk and needs to, needs to pee on the lamppost. Yes. And that's exactly that kind of experience. So if you're not going to brand birthday gifts you give to people, don't brand corporate gifts. Yes. Find another way to attract your logo. And again, however, I would love to walk around with some nice work swag because it's such a cool name. It's like a call to action, like do nice work. Yes. But I just don't want it to feel like a logo. A and your thing. whole corporate identity was designed not to. I suppose, I mean, then I think let's bring that all back. So I think why we're having this conversation is I think a lot of people are starting to prep their year-end gifts and they're starting to like look to how can they give stuff to their clients to say thank you for the year. And I suppose the thoughts that we can leave you with is, is think about what experience you want them to have with the thing that you're giving them and is the message you're putting on it 
or the, the, the way you're branding it going to create a conversation or is it going to fill a landfill? Because I think that's sort of the difference between them. I mean, yeah. how many times have you seen those guys walking someone's dogs down the street in like a, a branded shirt? Like how many EO shirts have ended yeah. up on gardeners? <laughs> yeah, you know, if you, the world, we want to stop drinking drinking straws. Uh, we should, a far bigger plastic <laughs> creator in the planet is uh, branded corporate gifts. Now, with respect to the very large branded corporate gift companies that are members of the I think it's not the object. It's not the object. It's how the object is branded and how the object has a message placed on top of it. Because even a notebook, a notebook is a notebook, but you stick your huge logo in the middle of the cover and I don't want to use it. I mean, you exactly. put your, your logo on the inside or you hand write a note on the inside, which is cheaper than printing a logo. It's something that I'll probably carry around with myself every single day. We've seen that when we created Human Rights. The, the, the nicest ones, we've really, really got branded rules for how you can brand our books or notebooks. Because, and the truth is, is because people want to have, they're buying into the, the thinking of this company. So now what we have is we allow them to do a, a monochrome emboss of the flap. With a, with a very basic logo. Uh, and it's probably only like 10% or 15% right, of, of the, the cover, cover. And it's black on black. And then we put the human rights on the back and, and we have the manifesto that they can write their manifesto on the inside why they did this, like yes. an inscription. And I feel that that's much more powerful and people would want that a lot more. Um, I guess the one other caveat to this thing, just, just as you said that, is I wouldn't mind going to the beach and sitting under a nice work branded .za or any like standard bank branded beach umbrella. It's, it's things where people are making a personal statement about themselves where it becomes problematic. Like most people, you know, getting given at a golf day a free golf umbrella and having those kind of things. That's nobody is defining their identity by the umbrella they pull out. Well, pardon me, most people. So, so I wouldn't have a problem having an umbrella that has somebody's logo on it. That's totally fine. Right, a suntan umbrella, you think that makes sense, right? But, um, I mean, but in theory, they should be able to just give you a blue umbrella and then you would know. Yeah, dude, I went to, I was at a, a meeting in their Cape Town yellow office. Yellow umbrella, a yellow umbrella. It was a yellow umbrella and it was raining and I was in their office and I had to get to the car. And I got to the bottom of the stairs and there was nobody there waiting. I had to run through the rain from their office to the car and I thought, you're missing a trick. How does every one of your offices not have your umbrella, those yellow umbrellas? Outside. What a brand experience that somebody will just walk you to the car with that yellow umbrella. Like it's, they've built so much on the, the, not the brand, yes. the corporate identity that they've forgotten about no, the it's brand. It's an actual umbrella. <laughs> yeah, that's actually a promise. So, so I suppose, I mean, I think let's just to close this section out, I think it's, it's around, I think, Shifting the idea that this is not advertising, this is brand experience. And yes. what is that brand experience that you're hoping to deliver? And is, your, is the way you're using graphics doing that or not? And are you, being, like, are you really being generous or are you hoping that people are going to walk around with an advert appended to you? And I guess a last little tip I'd like to offer on this is, and I know that we are a Jewish organization <laughs> largely here, uh, but giving people on the month up to Christmas, every single day I walk into my office and every single day there's a couple of gifts sitting there. And usually I open them and I give them away to a staff member or something like this. Uh, at Missing Link, we always give back to school gifts because everyone's gone away and they've come back and we might send somebody a book with a theme for the year and like write a little inscription on the inside, you know, 
let this book, I read this book in the holidays. I really think it's something that can help you, you know, have an amazing year. And we, when that happens, we're now, we're now visiting when, when it's empty. Yes. Right. And, um, the, uh, gifts is kind of like a feast and famine thing. And if you're, if you're giving them a gift around Christmas time, you're giving them in the middle of the feast. But if you send somebody a nice little gift, uh, you know, two weeks into January, a bit of a back to school or at a financial year end, yeah. you find your Sorry clients, you back at work. I wish yeah. you were on holiday still. I wish you were still on holiday. But here's something I hope to make it a bit easier. And then you send them something. Or, uh, instead of saying, thanks for the great year we had. Um, I mean, if you sent them a really nice pen and say, uh, we wanted to give you something to sign all those big checks you'll be giving us this year. But then you give them a really beautiful Mont Blanc or Lamy or whatever the case may be. Yes, you're being cheeky, but it's absolutely a, a great gift. Yes. Um, here's to all those checks you're going to sign with us this year. Looking forward to all the work. You know, that then you're striking while the iron is cold. And I think there's some value there. So that's just a last little tip I'd like you to consider. Awesome. So I think that brings us to our next kind of, our next segment where we kind of, uh, discuss uh, EO or the Entrepreneurs Organization and how we have managed to get a lot of value out. And I think this is, I think you called it how to 10x your EO experience, um, which is a, a light shout out to uh, one of our sponsors. One of our sponsors. <laughs> <laughs> we have amazing offers for all your members that you really should look into. Yeah, so we were, I mean, off, off uh, mic, we were having a conversation around this. And, and Rich, I mean, I, I understand you've submitted a, uh, application to the global the global board um, and I, I think with that comes the expectation that you'll travel almost a like week ten, a month yeah 10 weeks a year I think they say 10 to 12 weeks a 10 year. to 12 weeks a year and I think some of that comes at your own expense I think almost all of us are yeah. paying you for it yeah so so I mean yeah tell, tell, tell us why why you think you're gonna get 10 weeks worth of value out and not even 10 weeks, like the, the time investment, also the money investment. And I suppose while you're contributing in a leadership role, you're not actually in your business. And I know you've launched a new business. You're not growing that business. You, you're actually growing EO. I mean, so I have formed today and this is an issue that's coming up is, uh, am I shifting my focus and why am I doing this? And funny enough, partially in our discussion and in being thinking about this leading up to to forum, why am I doing it? And the one answer, the easy answer is that it was one of my goals. I, every, everything I do in my life, I've got written down set of goals and to serve on the EO board. Uh, just, I, I really, you know, I mean, you know, like I'm very gung-ho in this organization. Like I, I, I bleed orange in many ways and I'm uh, very, very driven by making changes. And in fact, a lot of the reason I'm so involved is I think there's a lot of, it's not, I don't love it because it's, I'm not involved because I think it's perfect. I'm involved because I think it's far from perfect. And I think there's fundamental changes that have to happen. And I feel so strongly about those changes that I think you can only make them um, from the top down in some ways. Or the permission has to be given from the top for people throughout the organization or from the core, from people on the surface to change. But I've got this new business, Talk Drawer, and we're really trying to grow it. And we want it to be a massive, like we really see it as being a, at the very least, a billion rand business. And and so we feel very, very strongly that it has all the right ingredients to do that. And yet right at this stage where I'm, you know, the business is starting to gain momentum and we're doing some amazing things. It's almost like the most critical, mo like one of the critical moments in the, in the businesses right now. Absolutely. And, and I've had to really measure, is checking off a box on my personal goals and, and 
doing this for EO, which is in many ways, and I say this in no way disparaging you, but EO is in a big way my hobby, right? It's, a, it's like an amazing place for me to be around people that I respect and like and learn cool things. And, you know, when, when somebody like us, like learning for us is, 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 it's not being at work. It's like part of the, our downtime and what we love. And so I had to question this. And, and here's where I landed. And here's why I believe it is. Is I've run a business that has like, you know, at its peak, maybe 33 people uh, in, for the last 21 years. And the business I want to grow, well, you know, it has a thousand people. And I have no experience there. And part of EO's offering is it allows you, it gives you a sandbox to try and behave outside of the norm that your business offers you. You know, when I was president, I was one of, I've often seen it as one of my biggest leadership failings ever. I was really frustrated with, I'm very proud of some of the things we achieved, but I was not proud of how I acted as a leader. And I was speaking to Tim Heitman from Chicago, and he kind of mentored me in a lot of ways leading up to it. And I'd said to him this, and he was like laughing at me, and he said, Rich, like, did you play sports at school? I said, yeah, I played rugby. He said, did you guys have practice and games? I said, yeah. I said, what day were your practices? I said, no, I practiced with Tuesday, Thursday. So when were your games? It was Saturday morning. He said, cool. Do you ever remember like messing up in a game? I was like, absolutely. Yeah, I remember this one time I should have, you know, and he said, yeah, cool, great. He says, do you ever remember messing up in a practice? I said, well, I mean, I'm sure I did, but not really. And he said, exactly. And he said, that's what EO is. He said, EO is practice for us, right? EO is allowing us to try things in this organization. We don't want to break it. We don't want to mess up but allows us to try stuff in these organizations that we can put into practice in, in our businesses. And in truth, in our businesses is where it counts. That's where you're gonna pay for your children's university and yeah. for things like this. And I thought about it and I thought, wow, this is a, such a valuable insight. And then when I thought about that relative to this global board, I want the opportunity to build a large, meaningful, multinational organization that impacts entrepreneurs and enterprises all over the world. And, and I want to understand what it feels like. And just our role in the GCC has given me a taste of that. Just being part of this big machine. I'm like, you and I are sitting in a kind of senior management role in an organization. Yes. And understanding what that feels like for the first time in our life. Right? Because neither of us have ever felt what being senior management in a large corporation feels like. And now, now we get it a bit. And the politics and the, how the wheels turn slowly. To sit in that table, around that table with, with the people that are making big decisions. I think will be an invaluable lesson for me. And it's amazing for me because I feel that one of the biggest, we're talking about 10xing people's experience. One of the biggest, you know, things that people leave on the table of EO is this, this simulation, this business simulation that EO offers you. The running a simulation of what it feels like to lead a different kind of organization, what it feels like for your leaders, your managers in your company, what their frustrations are. You want to learn about what your management feels like if you have a big business? Try become, you know, take a regional board position at EO and you'll, you'll understand a lot more and you'll change the way you perceive management. So that's why I decided, in spite of the fact that it may be the wrong timing, this is the best boot camp for the business I want to bring that I think I could get on the planet. Mm. But now, I mean, I feel like you're, you're in a very similar, on, on many levels, a very, very similar place looking at a different position. The difference is, in my case, I'm asking them to do it and, you know, fairly certain that it you know, won't happen. It's a, it's a big job that doesn't get given out a lot. You're being begged into a senior role, like an ex-go role almost, right? Yes. But you're not very wary because of things. Take me through that. Yeah, I think it's, I mean, it's, it's an interesting one. I've, like you mentioned, I've got a, a young son, Sebastian. Shout out. He's probably sleeping in a cot right now. Mm. Um, and, and my priorities have, have shifted immensely. So now 
my kind of my my goals with my business haven't changed, but the amount of time that I'm willing to invest actually sitting here working on it has shifted immensely because I'm not going to sit here till seven, eight at night and then go home and watch my kids sleep in a cot. Like I need to be home at like four, four thirty, or else I'm going to miss him. And I'm not willing to miss his life, you know, the, the first five, six years of his life so I can build a business so that I can put him through school, but then I'm putting a, a stranger through school. And I think it's, it's almost my choice feels like I'm choosing more time away from my family and more time out of my business. So I'm taking an already shrinking pie and shrinking it even more. Um, and just as an aside, uh, I went down to Ignite uh, a while ago, which we, talk, we talked about at the beginning. And Leanne was not very happy with me because of how young Sebastian was. And it was my first trip away since he was born. And she said to me, she was like, I don't want fluff. So I don't want you to come back feeling all good and kumbaya and I met some really good people and I had a fun time and that was amazing. She's like, I want you to come back with results. Like I want you to come back with a new deal. I want you to come back with a new partner. I want you to come back with a new office in a different location so that you can come back to me and say, I justify the five days that I took out of our family time and five days I took away from the business, which I then need to reinvest later when I come back in. And I come back with a million rand, two million rand, five million rand, 10 million rand, or a, a relationship that's actually going to change the direction of my business. And, and I think that for me, fundamentally kind of shifted the way I perceive engaging with these EO events and stuff like that. And I think the leadership is exactly that same thing, you know? So, so I see the opportunity for me is this is going to crowbar me away from my family and my business. And I need to be almost cognizant of what I need to do to make sure that it doesn't come at a detriment and if it is coming at a detriment that the upside that I'm bringing back is it outweighs you know so yes I was didn't see my family for five days but I now have a relationship that's going to build the next 10 years of our business or I now have a, a deal that's worth half of my revenue from last year and I think it's changing shifting that kind of thinking is what makes you you think about it and, and I suppose from my perspective it's made me think if I want to invest this much time into EO how do I need to change my management style and my leadership style in the business? And what players do I need on my team in order to make my business continue on the path that I want it to continue while I'm not here? And then obviously the benefit, I need to, I need to focus on bringing benefit back to the business so that it's actually worth, worth everything. Jeez, there's so much there that like, it was amazing. Um, first of all, Leanne's insight in that, that was, I mean, that's, Amazing, yeah, I've right? got a WhatsApp all in caps. No fucking fluff. Exclamation mark. <laughs> exclamation mark. Exclamation mark. So often, mark. though, we come back from EO things. And I think, I think it's actually very true. And I think we need to call it out. Uh, you know, I actually spoke at Ignite about it. So, you know, you need to make action notes. You've got to come back with actions. Shit to do. Yeah. I mean, you took it a step further. You've got to come back with, with stuff done. Yeah. Uh, and I think it's even bigger call to action. You know, maybe not, it's not enough to come back with a list of things to do. Maybe you should have gone there with a list of things to do. Yeah, I went into I went into Ignite with, with three an goals. List. Like I had three things that I wanted to achieve and I achieved all of those things. So the first question I want to address on, on what you brought up, because I think this is, I mean, geez, what, a, what an amazing insight bomb you just dropped there. We could have done a whole episode on, on just that alone. And uh, even that perspective, geez, I hope Leanne's in the spousal forum, because even that, that, that insight and thought and understanding of you and that's true partnership there, I think is amazing. So first of all, did you do it? Did you check any of your three? 
I, so I checked all the things that I went in with and I left with a much more kind of focused list and I've done most of most of the things. So worth the five days? 100%. ROI on the five days in terms of what Leanne would say? Yeah, so I think I've potentially inherited a business model for my new business that I'm starting. I might even have a partner in that business. Uh, there's two or three quotes that we have out, so there's actual, actual like kind of financial Revenue. stuff. Uh, a, a conversation with Mark Levy led me to step into a YPO mentorship thing, and as a result, I might be getting an operations manager. So there've been kind of like fundamental shifts in the business as a result of of going. And did you feed night. that back? I mean, so I'm sure end. you must have, right? She yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. So that's the first thing. And the second thing is about the role. Because, okay, so one thing I found like an unintended consequence of uh, being the president, and obviously uh, you were the year after me as well, this um, leading without authority thing. It's a massive lesson, right? Learning to lead without authority. Did you also find that there was value in... in so I definitely, you know, when I say about it, I regretted it. I think I'm a far better human being for doing it. Yeah. I, I regretted what I did and what I didn't do. I don't in any way regret what I learned from the experience. I was magnificent. It was like graduating from university. Did you have a similar? Yeah, I think it was, it, it was one of the things that made me, so in my business, we've always been quite top light, you know, so I've had a lot of the skill and a lot of the thought and a lot of the direction. And it was interesting flipping that around, that there's actually 11 people who know more than I do. And my job is not to tell them how to do it or what to do. It's just to give them a direction, you know, like create a direction and just make sure that they're all heading in that direction. And I think that was one of the things I did really well. And it's one of the things I brought back to Nice Work to say to my team, I'm like, I don't, I don't want to tell you how to do you know, like the stuff. I want to. I'm gonna tell you where to go, and I almost want you to be driving it. And if you can't do that, then it's a very clear indicator that we need somebody in in a role, not maybe not that role, but a higher role that can actually kind of do that. Do that. And I think a business, a business that has many people pulling it, can get somewhere much much faster than one visionary leader. And you can't build a business or a repeatable business around. You know what, like, just put Rich in the room, he'll hit it out the park. That's not a strategy because, you know, Rich moves to Cape Town and we don't have him to hit it out of the park and now none of us can, can, do can actually go into the room and hit it out of the park. So, so then, then where's the business? It's not a business, it's a one-man show with a, a support, support team. team. Yeah. And I suppose... An entourage. Yeah, and, and, and that's not what I'm looking to build. I, like, I want to build a business that, that well, I actually want to build multiple businesses that are, are great in their own right. And, and I think like running the board was uh, my first taste in what that could be like. You know, I would need to have a 500 million rand a year business to employ those 15 people, uh, or probably even more, a billion rand business in order to have those people sitting at my table with me. And EO gave me that opportunity to so have So would you agree people. with me? And again, this guy's, I think it's very important for those of you listening to understand that this is not a sales pitch. You've already paid the fees. You're already in. But Ross, would you agree with me? And maybe I'm putting this out there and by all means disagree if you think, but the, probably the biggest 10x that you're sold on in EO is your forum. But for me, and I have massive forum value, but the biggest 10x for me was joining the board and taking a, a leadership role. Uh, were you similar? Oh, without a doubt. Like if, if I can't see my EO experience being one without some form of. Well, in fairness, you had your first board meeting before your first <laughs> forum. <laughs> yeah, but uh, but I, I can't see I can't see forum is such a fundamental part of it. But it's it's not it's not, it's not the whole thing. It's not you know like the relationships I have. With people in in Kenya, in 
Egypt, in Pakistan, in, you know, like all over the world. It's actually surreal. Yeah. Like, and, and I mean, so, so I had a dinner the other day with some of the global board guys came and, and um, they were upset with me that I didn't tell them I was in Hong Kong because they have a yacht sitting in the harbor unused and they really just want someone to go on the yacht, you know, and you're like, where, in what surreal world <laughs> do I have someone offering me a yacht, like a free yacht? And this is, it's there for anyone to just kind of reach yeah. out and take. I haven't done anything special. I haven't done anything. I've just showed up and I've showed up with a smile on my face and I've done what I needed to do when, when I got there. So with that in mind, why is the role, and I understand all the things and the timing and Sebastian and being there, I guess my feeling is that, you know, there's a certain period of time actually where he won't really notice that you're not there and you wouldn't be a stranger. You know, I feel that, I feel definitely feel more traveling when my kids are 15 and 11 than I did feel when traveling when they were one. You know, I feel more that there's more, that I'm missing out on conversations and things. However, I mean, that's a, your mileage may vary. What's stopping you then pulling the trigger on this? What is holding you back from grabbing this with knowing how much it will teach you? Because I think it'll be massive. I think the biggest worry then is that I don't connect back the, is nice work going to be a better place because I took this role or is it going to be worse? But isn't that about taking role with intention? Isn't that about doing the Leanne and saying, if I take this role, there are no fluff, right? It's not about meeting, you, you already know people in Hong Kong with yachts, yeah, right? It's got to be, there are 10, I have to come back from this role after the, because it's probably a two-year role, with a minimum of... I suppose they didn't, they didn't really kind of play that out to me, but I guess that it yeah, is. Yeah, it's usually a two-year. And in fact, you want it to be a two-year role, right? Because you want to, the first year is finding your feet and the second year is making things happen. Uh, you know, we're on the same committee with Jamie and it's taken two years to roll these things out. But he's making a meaningful change. If you do that, what are the, if you kind of sat down and said, I have to come back with 10 fundamental principles or, and three international relationships and kicked or started this business at scale. And like, could you not write yourself a, a list of boxes I have to check if I'm doing this job and could it not make it worthwhile? Like, should those, you not, I suppose those are your KPIs. That's what you have to achieve. And right, you your KPIs, that, not EO's KPIs. Yeah. I think that's probably what I'm going to have to do. And I guess if you can find those 10 things, agree with Leanne and I guess you're a team at Nice Work on those things and then you should do it. Because then it's not about the time, right? Because people often turn around, we ask people to join the board and they say, I don't have time. And that's because they see this as becoming a servant of an organization. But if they see it as, I mean, there is a bit of that as well, and there's a very satisfying component of that. But if they see it as that, as a yin, but a yang, which has become a student of the organization, uh, then I think that um, it's a no-brainer. And I think that's the one thing EO offers you. It offers you the ability to become both a servant and a student in business, in equal in, in entrepreneurship and in more than that, in equal measures, provided you go in with intention. And I guess this is as a maybe parting shot, a call to experience that, a call to leadership, to experience and to eat off another part of the table that, that EO offers, because it has been fundamentally transformative. Just this thinking at scale in my business, the only reason I'm able to think globally as if it's so local like the idea of thinking people talk about oh, reaching out into africa i don't see any reason to constrain any reaching anywhere beyond reaching to every corner of the globe of the globe because every time i get onto a call with eo that's the call i'm having literally we are having a call and we've got somebody in japan and we've got somebody in 
San Francisco. Yeah, the biggest challenge is finding a time right. where like, everyone is available, like, awake. I mean, <laughs> our, our call probably spans the time zones of the world practically, yeah. you know, with the amount of people. So the, it's just taught me to think at scale. Wow, what a gift. Amazing. So, I mean, I think that, that was a very interesting discussion. And I think just as a rapid-fire closeout, uh, Rich, what, what tips, tricks, amazing things have you seen, heard, smelt, eaten in the last two weeks? Well, I finished a book this morning that I really enjoyed. Uh, uh, it's, it's called Smart Cuts. can't remember who wrote it, but I found it on Audible and I listened to it. I really, really enjoyed it. And it's about smart shortcuts for business. And why I liked it and why I want to recommend it and I'm loath to recommend books nowadays. I feel, I feel there's, there's too much knowledge we're consuming. But this book was like Gladwellian storytelling. So a book you want to read and you really, really enjoyed reading. The storytelling was magnificent combined with a lot of action points and lessons you can take. That's the first thing. And the second thing, unlike Gladwell's books, which I, and I get I'm a massive fan, but you, you, he introduces you to one idea per book. You know, the tipping point. You know, there's a, there's a concept. There's a 10,000 hours, you know, there's in outside, outside outliers. Then there's blink and rapid cognition. This book introduces you to a whole, you know, bunch of principles and actionable items in That's every chapter. One of my favorite books is Tools of Titans because it's one of those things that you can read four pages. Yeah, it's a buffet. And you walk away with, like, a thought. Right. And that's what this book does. But the book is the intentional kind of glue of the whole book is... Uh, the idea of smart cuts for your business and why they're so important to have them. And um, I think the right time to, to recommend it is now because I would never recommend somebody read a business book on holiday. This is a business book you can, you can put in your bag and take and read on holiday. It's light, inspiring reading. Like I'd often read a biography on holiday. This has got that kind of feeling. It's like a bunch of people's biographies and the smart cuts they did to get where they are. I love every page. Amazing. And you? I think for me... Uh my kind of the principle I've got in my head is is um, reusing stuff and building stuff that I can use over and over again. We just swapped out our quoting system for a thing called Pandadox. And what I like about Pandadox is it's got elements that you can create that when you're building a quote, you just pull in all the elements of it and you can set up you can set up elements which are like micro transactions and then you can set up templates which are really, really big things. So my team can now make a web proposal in 15 minutes as opposed to five hours. And as soon as we update the template, every web proposal we make from that moment on is as good as the last one we kind of produced, which is not what we're currently doing. And I've now just got a, a copywriter to come in to write Great. the descriptions. So every single item in our thing is now being written in the most compelling way Cracked possible. It. Yeah. So we use um, a better proposal at, at uh, Top Drawer. And putting it into Missing Link as well is a similar service, and I highly recommend it. And but just as a, and I'm not sure if this will go out in time, but um, yesterday on AppSumo there was a an offer for a new startup proposal software. It's called Recapped, and if you go to appsumo.com forward slash Recapped, they're offering you a lifetime subscription for a one-off cost of forty-nine dollars because they're trying to build users. Now both the the services that I've been using. Uh, have uh, we looked at Proposify and went with better proposal uh, offers like we're paying like I think it's like twenty nine dollars per month for up to five I think nineteen dollars per month for up to five proposals active and then you can go up 
This is $49 once off for lifetime access yeah, to the Yeah, I think Black I'm Pond. paying $100 a month or something like that for the piece right, of stuff. So this is $49 once off. So maybe worth looking at because all the same things apply. But yeah. Awesome. Cool. So there well, you go. Thank There's you very tips. much. Thank you for listening. Uh, once again, this is a bit of an experiment because EO is your uh, um, playground and you get to learn and try new things. So we'd Please love if you'd reach out. Yeah. How did, how did the new format work? Um, is there anything you feel like we should add in or, or cut out? We'd, we'd love to hear it. And it's important to note that we're not going to move away from the format of interview, interviewing you, the members, and getting your stories. It's just that we quite like the idea of every now and then having a kind of what we learned episode where Ross and I just love, you know, we always have these great conversations and we thought, wouldn't it be cool if we had these conversations on an episode? So it might be every second, it might be every third. Let us know what you think. Uh, we'd love your feedback. And also, if you would like to be on the show, please, by all means, let us know. Let us know that. All right. So, uh, in closing, <laughs> as always, it's very, very important that we ref we just thank our sponsors who've made this happen. Uh, Bidvest McCarthy and Bidvest Car Hire. This is a, a benefit you should definitely uh, take part of. Of course, Exec Care. You know, as one of our forum principles is we have to do a medical once a year and we all measure ourselves as a forum. Uh, it is one of the best things we've ever done. As a result of my medical last year with Exec Care, I'm now down as of this morning at 18.8 kilograms for the year, so I'm really, really happy. You've dropped 18.8 yeah. kilos. Wow. Yeah. I wanted, obviously, I want to hit the 20 by That's the end like of the year. Three Sebastians. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. I was carrying. You've given birth to three babies. I had triplets. <laughs> Could you imagine how it would have looked? Yes. Well, imagine how I did. I saw it. Terrible. And, and then 10XE, who's, uh, I must say, it's an organization that I'd never embraced myself in the business I was and the business I had, but now I'm really, really looking at getting involved with in, in the new business that I want to create. So I'm very, very excited. Uh, it's also brought to you by the, the EOGCC, the committee that both uh, Ross and I are part of. And uh, Ross did a bit of a ninja move before he was a part of it to get it funded, which uh, I'm eternally grateful for. And as always, a shout out to Brian Bro, because because we, you know, he deserves it. He deserves it. He never listens to the show, but one day he will. He'll sit there in Buffalo in upstate New York and he'll listen to the show and he'll hear the bro. <laughs> and yeah. Uh, and of course, as always, um, uh, to you know, running this ship of EO is a, a real tough gig. And Brian was the chair. And I guess uh, a shout out to Ross and I's friend, Bubu Andres, who is an amazingly inspirational leader uh, for the organization and who's taken it at the helm this year. So big ups to Bubu. Awesome, guys. Well, thank you for listening. Uh, and if you've enjoyed this, just introduce it to one person. And if you're a business owner and you're interested in um, joining the Entrepreneurs Organization, go to eonetwork.org. Thank you very much. Catch you in the next one. Subscribe. Peace.